Watermaker podcast for Thursday, October 15th, 2020, otherwise known as... Actually, I'm going for a month on this one because it's a pretty good month. National yeah. Pizza Month. It's a top also, three maybe food. Also, few days after Lakers won another championship. Holla! And what, and what do you eat when you watch the Pizza. Lakers? Pizza. Um, yeah. Hey! Congrats, congrats, y'all, Yo, uh, California just natives. Number seventeen, no big deal. Feels just good. moving along. Business is normal. Like, like everything's back. Like it's weird when the South? Lakers are bad. It just feels normal when they're like winning. Yeah, I was about to say it's got to be great being a fan of a team that literally has a dynasty or a legacy yeah, team yeah, every like, kind of decade or and a half. Yeah. So <laughs> put put together three good now, years every ten years. If you don't mind, right, I'm going to sort of step out in front and take over the what have we been up to <laughs> segment because I have a a pretty horrific story. Yeah. So uh, yep. now disclaimer. If you find like eye injuries, like kind of squeamish, if like, if like a scene where like a needle goes close to an eye, like really makes you cringe. Skip to the 12 minute mark or so of this podcast. Working on my Rockler desk challenge. Shout out to Rockler. Everyone go check out the hashtag Rockler desk challenge. Pretty awesome stuff. Keep that content coming. Projects look amazing. So I'm working on my entry to that and it's a steel frame about six feet by six feet. And I have it kind of set up where I need to drill holes through the steel and I have to kind of get around and underneath it. So I'm lying flat on my back on the floor, looking up at the steel and drilling holes through it. Now, when you drill holes through steel, you go real slow with the drill bit and you get those little kind of corkscrew type and little metal shavings coming out of this. Now, I was wearing safety glasses, but when you're looking up at something, sometimes like things like... I always get way more things in my eyes when I'm like underneath or like twisted around looking up like inside a cabinet to to like screw on like a countertop or something like that. I always get stuff in my eye. So it's gravity. Of course, I was wearing safety glasses, but I'm drilling up and a tiny little metal shaping wasn't like the full curly Q one, but like kind of like a little fragment of that. It fell on my cheek, slid under the glasses and like fell right into my uh, left eye. So, I, you know, when something falls in your eyes, you kind of blink, like, reactively. It kind of caught it and drove it, like, into my eye, like, between the eyelid and the eyeball. And then it kind of, like, slid behind the eyeball and the kind of wall. So it's like this, like, the tiniest little... It's so interesting, right? You could be, like... The biggest, strongest, like, <laughs> dude ever. You could be, like, Brock Lesnar or or whoever. But if there's a little, tiny little particle of metal in your eye, you're kind of helpless. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really shocking. Yeah. I think even more so than a nut shot, like, a good, a good eye poke is, like, <laughs> totally, like, like, it. Anything on the body that ends yeah. in balls. Whether it yeah. be just balls or eyeballs. Yeah, it's totally man incapacitates balls. you. <laughs> <laughs> From eyeballs so, to man balls. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it, it gets in there. I'm like kind of panicking. I'm like, it's like I'm literally seeing flashes. And, and you know, no one else is home. Like I'm at Maker Ranch all by myself. Jesse and Brett just happened to be live streaming for this live Maker event thing. So, you know, I'm kind of struggling. I, I, you know, immediately try to, you know, frantically rub at my eye and try to like work it out, you know, because we've all had things in our eyes. Most of the time it just pops right out. You blink a few times and you're back to work as normal. 
I stumble into the, the, the bathroom after hitting my head on the steel. That's like, cause you know, you're trying to like move around and you can't mm. just like open your other eye yeah. and just see out of that one calmly while the other one's like spasming. And every time it's spasming, you're getting another cut on your eye and you're trying to tell yourself, calm down, <laughs> hold your eye still, but you can't really hold your eye still when there's something cutting your eye. It, it flinches, it reacts. So I finally make it into the bathroom, trying to splash water on. It's not coming out because it, it's like it's metal. So it's like it's like and it's against flesh. So it just like finds a nice little thing where it's not going to slide right back out. Luckily, I had my AirPod Pros in. Shout out to Apple. So I couldn't really see because every time I'd open my my good eye, I would kind of like move that because you automatically move your eyes to track and look around the room as you walk or, or, or try to move. So when I moved that eye, the other eye moved right. with it, which then would cut it again against the metal that was lodged into it. So I Ugh. closed both eyes. So when I closed both eyes and like just like breathe normally, I was like pretty good at holding my damaged eyes still. So it's like I was like, OK, I'm in this like calm place where I'm not causing more damage or more trauma to the eye. But I'm also can't do anything to like fix the situation. But because I had my iPod Pros in or the AirPod Pros, I used Siri to call my phone that was still underneath the contraption. I knew Jesse and, and Brett wouldn't answer him because they're live streaming. So I called Mike and Mike, tell us, tell us what you, you experienced. You want me to take over yeah, from yeah. here? Oh, okay, cool. I was at Walmart on a material run. I don't remember what I was grabbing, but I was in the parking lot loading the truck as I get a call from Ben. And I look at it and I'm on my way to the ranch or something to that effect. I think, oh, I'll call him back or something. I got to get this done. But which is what is that a character of Ben is he called me back like immediately because I think it went right to voicemail for him, basically. And so I took it a little bit more seriously because he's just a guy that normally just texts me whatever the thing is. Well, I answer and it's a really calm voice. So I'm not alarmed. I have no idea what Ben's going through at this moment. And it's just, hey, can you come by the ranch? Brett and Jesse aren't here and I got something in my eye. Can you take me to urgent care? And of course I did. I was like, great. I'm at Walmart now. I'm on my way back. Let's go. So I get to the ranch, walking around to the back door and I see Ben just kind of hunched might be the sitting word. <laughs> with his like, you know, yeah, hunched. Well, it would be like if you're in a fetal position. Kind of on, well, it was yeah. more like you're resting your elbows on your knees. Yeah, head it wasn't hand, something too alarming until until I get closer and I realize, oh, he's not just looking down. He's like, like holding his face to cover his eye. But there's like, like a, there's a stream of, <laughs> the yeah, there's a whole stream of everything, a face, everything combined. Cocktail. And you know, that's when you know it's serious. So we get him, we get him to the truck well, and you, we take him to yeah, urgent so care and I'll let you take over. Anytime from here. you see. Yeah. Let me take <laughs> over since even though I wasn't there. Anytime you see a complete disregard of personal vanity. Like, you know, something's like pretty severely wrong with somebody. So I, I it was struggling, too. And like I was trying not to think about, am I going to lose vision in this this eye? Like, it was this mean? Does it mean I'm never going to have depth perception? And I'm trying not to think about those kind of things. Just trying to think about next step, get to urgent care, get the particle out of the eye, figure out how to get the eye healed. Right. Like I, I, I'm trying to stay calm. Yeah. I'm trying to focus on my breathing. Right. It's just don't let anxiety take over so, in the moment. 
Right. Yeah. Just yeah, conserve yeah. energy, stay focused on the most critical thing at hand, which is getting the particle out of the eye. So we go to urgent care. The urgent care people were straight up assholes. They were like so unhelpful. Like they wouldn't give us a t- like an idea. They just made yeah. us sit there and they wouldn't give us, can we just get a guess of how long it's going to be? And they wouldn't even do, uh, it'll just yeah. be what it is. And it's like no compassion, no humanity. Like it was, it it was like you're at the DMV, but like clearly like somebody's in distress in front of you. Now, maybe they just see this so often that they get desensitized. Well, then maybe you should move on to a different career if that's your sort of uh, take on on humanity. So Mo, we go to and like me and Mike were both being trying to calm. We were kind of like chit chatting along the way, which is actually like really every time I've had like a severe injury, like often if you're with somebody else, it's like driving you to the hospital or something. They're not sure if they should just talk to you about everyday stuff. I actually think that's like the best thing to do. Cause like I, if you're in that distress situation, you won't respond if you can't. But if you're just chit chatting on like normal stuff, like, oh, yeah. what are you gonna do for your uh, desk? Yeah. That's, it does help. <laughs> It'd be funny if it actually it actually really like lets people have their guard down. Right. That could become a new podcast. You <laughs> poke somebody in the eye with something, and then it's we like chat for forty five minutes. Pain cast, but dead eye, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hot metal poker in the so eye. So we go to the actual emergency room, and there's a difference between urgent care and emergency room. Urgent care is great if it's not life threatening theoretically, and you're not in like dire pain with your something that's destroying your eyeball. Right. But if you want fast service, go to emergency, even if it's not life-threatening. That's my unprofessional opinion. So we get to the emergency that's room. That's a personal take. They, they were able to see us. I was able to, like, a nurse sort of took care of me within. So I can't see because, like, you know, again, you open one eye, the right, other eye right. wants to move. You're cutting your eyeball again. So they put me in a wheelchair, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this wheelchair is really wide. And I'm like is this a wheelchair from the bariatric ward? And they're like, yeah, we ran out of nowhere. So it was like a double wide wheelchair for like, so there's a whole area of medicine called bariatric medicine, which is for double wide people or super large obese people. Okay. So the wheelchairs are just like, there's like a sofa, man. Like, it's really like, it's it's a a love seat version. It's a love seat of wheelchairs. We can host... The Modern Maker Podcast, <laughs> episode 300, with all three of us sitting in one of these wheelchairs. <laughs> so the wheel be in. Probably so. Which, Shout out to awesome doctors yeah. that explain what they're doing in real time without delaying the treatment. So this guy was like preparing stuff on the tray as he was like describing to me in very technical terms, in very reassuring terms, exactly what he was going to do. So he says, okay, your eye's spasming. That's why you can't open it. And if you did open it, you'd probably then feel another little flick of the particle, and then you'd close it again as a reaction to that. So we're going to put these drops in, which are basically Novocaine for your eye. So he puts in like a whole bunch of these drops. He's like, don't worry about opening it. I'm just going to spray it all over it. It'll get work its way in there. And then to try to just like flutter it a little bit, just so it works its way into your like clenched shut. Because at this time, my eye was swelling up too from just the, the, the trauma. So we get the numbing things. Within like 30 to 40 seconds of getting these eye drops in, my eye just completely relaxed. It was like when you go to the dentist and they shoot you up your, your lip and you're just like, or you can't even like hold like water in your mouth. It was like that for a droopy eye. Yeah. So I was looking like Forrest Whitaker nice. over here. <laughs> just, like, just that one eye, like just half asleep. 
<laughs> so it relaxed it. And then he was able to kind of like peel back and like he was holding my eyelid with like two fingers and then using like this like long Q-tip swab to like push my eyeball around to find the particle and then flicked it out. And yeah, it, it sucked. But then, you know, you know, he's like, look, you have a severely lacerated cornea and, you know, I, 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 they, my eye, once the particle was out, like it, it, it felt better, but the pain was still there, but it didn't feel like the irritant and the pain. So my eye wasn't like twitching the same way. It was just hurting. So they had me like cover up my, my good eye, my right eye, and then kind of look at, you know, the eye chart. I couldn't see anything. It was like completely out of focus, like solid blur of color. Like I could not, I couldn't, I had better vision. vision. Damn. Yeah. You've been taken down to normal. It was, I could not recognize (laughs) a face like three feet from me. It was like that blurry with just my, my left eye. I could see like an outline. I could see a little bit of movement and light, but it was all blur. So it was just hard to like hold it together and like not freak out and not just keep pawing at your eye, like frantically to try to like remove this particle. But yeah, so now I'm just on antibiotics. I'm still have to be really careful for infection, but I'm going to see a specialist uh, later, later this week and keep using my, where's your, Where's your eyesight at so it's now? About seven, out of seventy percent. Like obviously, it's coming uh, out back, of that but, eye. Okay, but that's yeah, gotta feel for, good. Even for like two or three, for two days afterwards, I couldn't see very well. Like, and I like, like when I'd wake up in the morning, my eye would be like swollen shut. I'd have to like physically use my fingers to open it up. And when I opened it up, mm. fluid would just pour out of it. It was. Ah, <laughs> did the doctors give you Whoa. any kind of sense of like? did the doctors give you any kind of sense of like okay give it a couple days and your eyesight's going to start coming back or like they're there for emergencies like they're not really there so they kind of pass you off to specialists they don't right not a specialist pretty close to the vest but they did say infection is the big thing keep using these antibiotic drops yeah i i just feel like super grateful one mike thank you so much for you know patiently sort of yeah, for patiently hey, waiting and, for. Uh, and 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 getting me there, and then you know, just shout out to to doctors, and you know, I, w- I want to figure out something like nice to do for the emergency room people because after going to the urgent care room, these emergency room people were like super nice. So I'm gonna try to find like some way to like get them all lunch or something like that when they're when they're all there at the same time. So I was wearing safety glasses. You were wearing safety it glasses. Fell in the side and then it fell in my eye, and then the blink reaction kind of like trapped it and then the fluttering and spasm compounded it but like every time that's happened to me like eventually the spasm worked the particle out i don't know if because it was like metal and it was like kind of jagged that if it like like a serrated thing won't slide off of like jello yeah yeah Yeah. right it's almost kind of bar right so it's a good food analogy that's what i do well i'm glad you're okay i'm glad you're recovering yeah Yeah. so I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. That would be a terrible, terrible thing but to lose an I'm going eye, full so. face yep. shield all the time when I'm in like that sort of position. And I've already been doing full face shield whenever I'm using angle grinder. So, you know, you survive. Hopefully it's not permanent damage and you learn from the bad luck just as you don't take too much credit from the good luck. Right. And what's so crazy is we talked about drilling those holes for two podcast episodes <laughs> before this happened. It was like some kind of... Right. Yeah, exactly. Of course it happened. 
Man, yeah, glad you're good. Chris, anything new in your world or what do you got? Oh, let's just hear uh, an update on the uh, the desk. On my desk? Yeah, you started. I know you haven't yes. started. Well, you have started building. I have. Okay. Yeah, I'm in progress and it's coming out great. I know over the past couple of weeks, I'd been a little wishy-washy. And the reason, well, now that I've announced the things I announced in the last episode. So now that I've finished the bus and I bought this house that I'm going to be renovating, I don't really need a desk, which is a predicament if you're in the middle of a desk (laughs) challenge that you're hosting. So I kind of just had been busy and had been just unsure of what I was going to do. I had ideas that I liked, but nothing that I was so excited I wanted to pull the trigger on. But I was taking inventory on my video library, and I think it's because of all of the travel builds and then pairing that up by doing the bus immediately following. But me and you, Ben, we'd been doing a lot of projects where time was of the essence, you know? And so a lot of times it's just about building things so they look really great, but joinery or things around like uh, uh, things like that kind of go by the wayside. So my plan is I want to go back to modern builds basics. I want to do a solid two by four in construction lumber desk project, but I'm going to do a little skill builder joinery that I've been interested in giving a try for a long time, but haven't had the right reason. So So you're doing bread and butter, affordable, accessible DIY projects with common materials, but with a slightly elevated joinery challenge worked into it to kind of have people learn something while they make something that's affordable and useful. Right. Because the beauty of it is joinery is joinery. If you don't want to do it, just glue the boards together. You know, that's kind of how it works. So take what you want and do what you want. So So I have a question. Now, did you think about this joinery? Because like I'm served, I know the joinery you're talking about. It looks like a plus yes. sign on the end of a four by four and then two boards sort of overlap in that negative plus sign. Now, Pinterest loves yes. that. Yeah. I also get served so many Instagram ads for a bed frame that like goes together that way. Ooh, oh, yeah. weirdly, it's I've weird you bring that up because... It hasn't been circulating for very long, but in the past few months, I've been seeing that yeah. too. It's like a on Instagram, yeah, it's like ads. a Floyd type, quick to assemble bed frame. It doesn't look yeah. that good, but like that part is eye catching. Just the joinery, but you don't actually see that joinery when the bed's made. So mm-hmm. it's like exactly. So it's a yeah. <laughs> it's a cool detail. You played yourself, seen bed it. maker. <laughs> exactly. Put the mattress on, and well, you're screwed. Hey, yo. Pun. All right. Got, you the got top, pegged. It's all two by fours. It's a classic project. I didn't hear you, Ben. The you only thing is I'm it. just really trying to execute it well. I made sure to take the time and find two by fours with no pith in them so that I could let them kind of dry for a few days out here in the desert before I use them without them turning into Pringles chips, mm. which was a success. Then I ran them through the planer and picked the best six out of the dozen boards that I planed down to get my top. You know, I kind of did the best way I could think of to get just the best results out of construction lumber. And part of it is just knowing some of it's going to be crappy. Like you're going to buy it and two days later, it's going to be warped. And then some of it, you're going to plant it down and realize the grain is not what you're wanting, or it's really pink instead of a good wood toned color. So I picked the best boards out of it and got, got those glued up today. It's pretty standard. I think I'm going to add some cool chamfering on it as a little detail. But like you said, Ben, the base is the thing that I'm sort of focusing on more. And it's that design. Imagine like a four by four post leg on each side, 
and the top has a plus sign carved into so it. So I've been thinking about that detail. And that's what the apron slides into. Yeah, go I've been for it. I'm thinking about that detail. I'm not a big fan of resin tops or even glass top table. But if you do But a glass top on table that might joinery, be the move for something like right? that. <laughs> it's like kind of the move because you would then see that joinery from the top view instead of covering it with the wood tabletop. Yeah, that's a good point. I might have to grab I might have to grab a glass piece so that I can at least photograph it or stage it yeah. that way. What about if you if you did the bed, if you guys bought the bed with that joinery, <laughs> you do a water bed but clear. Oh <laughs> so you dang. can see that joinery. I don't I don't think a clear water bed exists. That's not how it works. I bet it could work though. I mean, boob implants are really durable. So if you made a waterbed out of boob implants, I had that idea. I wanted to make a chair out of so my like a beanbag chair. My other sister, Emily, her ex-husband, he worked for a medical company that made breast implants and testicular implants. They have those. A little known product. Yeah. There you go. So I was trying to get that third. Someone should have told Lance wanting. Armstrong. So every sorry, Chris, every, I, I talked over you there. My bad, man. Every holiday, I would always try to like, hey, how do I get some like, you know, saline implants? I want to make a chair out of them because they look like a jellyfish and they're really strong because they have to, you know, withstand like kidney punches and like all these What's car kidney? accidents. Yeah. And all these things that might happen to someone that has them lodged into their body with just a minimal amount of flesh padding, which really isn't that much padding. And so they're strong. They're translucent. They're super durable. So it's like they and they're like probably soft. I don't know. (laughs) So they would be an awesome chair. And you just have to figure out a way to like hold these kind of like jello things and then like sit on them. But each one has to be specified, and they're about like eight hundred to like a thousand dollars each because they're really uh, it's an well technically chair. made. And I'm like, are there any rejects? And he's like, no, those have to be like destroyed because people will try to steal, go through the trash, and steal the rejects, oh. and then black market surgery those yeah. things into oh some God. poor Dude, lady. You already know. He's a nasty. For sure they do. Yeah. <laughs> For sure they're doing that. So, Dang, that's crazy to think, man. To think what about, a crazy world. But you can think about those while we take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. Save time, money, and stress by getting milk kits delivered to your door and cooking them in the comfort of your own home. The Modern Maker Podcast is all about doing things yourself, so why not cook your own food and do it the nutritious way? Now, all of you know that on this show, we sort of have a resident food analogy expert, and that is our own Ben Ueda. So I'm going to let him talk about HelloFresh. I know you've used HelloFresh, so let's hear what you've got to say. I have, and it's great. So the thing I like about HelloFresh is, one, people don't think of grocery shopping as actual part of meal preparation, but it is. And it's often, especially these times with like longer lines, got to wear a mask and all that stuff, kind of one of the more, I don't know, kind of annoying parts. What's nice is that they do all the shopping for you, shows up right at your door, and it's all proportioned perfectly. So you don't have waste, which is one of the many reasons it makes HelloFresh not only a delicious option, but a sustainable option. It's also flexible for your lifestyle, so you can keep your fridge stocked by adding extra proteins or sides like, well, 
in my case, garlic bread to your weekly order. I really like that because you're not just locked into what somebody else decides to you. If you like a little bit of extra meatballs, you can add extra meatballs. If you want extra garlic bread, you can add extra garlic bread. You can sort of cater to your preference in macros or your preference in taste. You can also easily change your delivery days or food preferences and skip a week whenever you need to. And you can get larger box sizes with more servings just by letting them know in advance. You use food as the analogy for making all the time. What is the making analogy for food with HelloFresh? It's like using semi-exact stuff. It's just taking away one step, which reduces your likelihood for failure and also saves you time in producing a high quality product. There you go. Yeah, it's like hairpin legs. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 80modern and use the code 80modern to get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. That's right. The link will be in our show notes. That's HelloFresh.com slash 80modern and the code is 80modern. Thanks, HelloFresh. Now back to the show. Chris, Yo. what do you got? I got questions because last week we got a bunch of questions for our 200th episode. We answered a lot, but I figured we just keep it rolling, keep answering some questions. Mm. Yeah, because it was pretty say? fun. I love answering questions. Q&A is the best. Best kind yeah, of episode. All right, let's hit it. It's even better than an eye injury episode, if you can believe that. Okay. <laughs> this one comes in. That's high on the list. Yeah, those are the top two. Nick Zavalaj says, before simple finish, what would you use as a finish on plywood end grain? So I haven't changed my finish game that much because of simple finish. I use right. simple finish when I want the when I want to enhance wood color. And most importantly, when I have a surface that is going to get nicked and damaged and I want to be able to buff it out and repair it in real time. Yeah. So that's to me actually the most important reason. What I don't like aesthetically, I really like the way a lot of acrylic or like thinned out kind of like polyurethane, it's like a wipe on poly looks. Like I like that they don't yellow the wood or or add a warmer tone. What I don't like is that if you get a nick in that surface, you have to kind of sand it and re-blend it and it never quite blends back well into those surfaces, at least in my experience. What I love about the simple finish is like, let's say that headboard, that you're doing some really aggressive wrestling and you like hit something <laughs> like, you know, maybe there's like a bracelet or a watch involved and you like bang your arm against the headboard. Maybe some handcuffs. Right. Whoa. Now, big, big, big boss man. Chris, calm down. <laughs> yeah, man. This is a family I'll show. I'll myself out. You're a father of children, for God's sake. <laughs> That's how it happened. Well, how do you think he got the yeah. kids? So, what I like about that, particularly with like a softer wood like cedar or pine or something like that, is that it's so easy to re-blend in an oil finish by just sort of sanding it out. So, one, I think it's more about sort of use case than just sheer aesthetic. Right. But if I'm doing like radiata pine plywood and I want it to look as modern as possible, yeah, I'll still go with like an acrylic kind of a synthetic finish. But if I'm doing real solid wood and I want to be able to like know that it's going to take some abuse and then repair it over time for a piece that I'm really going to keep for a lifetime, then I like really like simple finish for that. Right. I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. So like to this day, even after having simple finish, for plywood, especially like a Baltic birch or something, I still go with water-based poly just because I like the feel, the way that it makes the plywood feel. Like where, you know, basically you don't feel it, you feel the finish instead Slippery. of it. Oh yeah. 
And then, so something, I get asked that question all the time about like, hey, is simple finish durable enough for X, Y, or Z? And it kind of goes into what Ben was just talking about. And like my quick answer has always been like, if you're making this for a client who like has kids and is going to abuse it and you're making them a dining table or something, like sure, put a a polyurethane finish on there. If you're going to keep it, I would go with whatever you like the look of and if you like, I think simple finish usually looks better than a water-based poly. So I would go with that because of that ability to very easily refinish. Durable and long lasting aren't the same thing. If you just put like a plastic bag and leave it alone, it won't decompose, but it also tears really easy. So, and then when if it tears, you can't repair a plastic bag. You can't stitch it back up. You can't sew it. So, synthetic finishes are great oil-based, more natural finishes are great. You just want to use them strategically relative to what you're trying to accomplish and be realistic about how much wear and tear that piece is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And to kind of address the question about like, what did I do before Simple Finish existed? The only thing I've done is just sort of replace anytime I used a Danish oil or Ben, you mentioned wipe on poly. I was never really big into wipe on poly, but I've thinned out water-based poly before to kind of do the same thing once or twice. I just replaced Danish oil with simple finish in that application. And, and, Danish and the reason oil is, is way because inferior. so inferior. And the reason is because for one, most of the Danish oils that you're getting off the shelf, they're just using low quality ingredients. It's basically the cheapest linseed oil you can find mixed with a low quality urethane Smells because the too. urethane. Yeah. Right. Because the thing with Danish oil is they don't need it to be a clear finish because it's an oil and poly blend. And so it's a low quality polyurethane mixed with a low quality boiled linseed oil. And effectively, it's doing the same thing as if you just put a coat of boiled linseed oil on and a coat of polyurethane on. If you were to build layers, it would just be like doing the same thing multiple times. Mm -hmm. What's great about Simple Finish is you don't have any kind of polyurethane film finish in it. Instead, we've got an all natural, plant based, no VOC. All plant-based oil blend. It's not just boiled linseed oil. It's something that we've come up with that we have talked about. We like the look and we like the durability. It kind of meets that middle. And we have a blend of natural waxes like beeswax, carnauba wax, and other things that are food safe whenever they're cured. So with Danish oil, you get that cool look that you get with simple finish to a degree where you still feel a closeness to the wood and the grain in your project. The only difference is with simple finish, you touch it and it doesn't feel like polyurethane. Instead, it still feels like wood. And the cool part with simple finish, not to go on about it, because it is, it's our product. So of course we love it. But what's great about simple finish in my book, I've, I've not done the whole recoding or fixing repairs like you guys have done. So that's not something for me particularly, although it's, it's sick, but what's cool is you buff it and you get Mm. more luster if you want. Like if you want to just wipe it on and wipe it off, you get a beautiful in-between matte and satin finish. It's as low gloss as you can get with putting a finish on. But if you buff it, you rub that it has wax. It's like a car, <laughs> yeah. bro. If you want more shine, buff it. You literally can dial it in. And that is the cool part for me. Yeah. I, okay. Food analogy. There we so, go. All right. Mike, do you like Doritos? Almost every flavor. Yeah. <laughs> and do you like like just really high quality natural French fries? Yeah. So it's like both those things are good. Like they're both useful. Right. They're just okay, different. But yeah, like yeah, yeah. you if you're making just like really well cooked crispy french fries, adding like Dorito flavoring to them isn't going to do so much 
But Dorito yeah. flavor is greater than that. So that's why I don't like Danish oil. Because it's like this mix of like the natural and the synthetic. And it's not really the best of both worlds. It's kind of the worst of both worlds. So that was like the... I, I grew up... But that's the thing, really quick. Yeah. I don't mean to cut yeah. you off. Danish oil is cool. Danish oil is cool when you're comparing it to the polyurethane that you're used to seeing on the right. shelf. Like if you're going to buy a can forgiving, of easier to just apply. min-wax poly... Yeah. That's it. It's the same thing as wipe-on polyurethane. It just gives you less margin for error and overall a better finish if you don't have as much experience. Yeah. But go for it. And the last thing, simple finish also works on metal. And the ability... I do so much steel work now that... Yeah. The ability to use one finish on a steel and wood piece is like it saves like a day and a half versus like painting or paste waxing and then having the pieces separate, then doing the finish and then trying not to scuff up the pieces while you're connecting them back together. So good for those reasons as well. Also can be used as an eye drop. (laughs) No, don't do that. (laughs) No, don't do that. Bad. All right. Well, good question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But oh, can I just say rule of thumb really quick? Because I didn't say rule of thumb. If it's a light-toned wood, I use the water-based finish. If it's outside or it's just going to get used a lot, I put on polyurethane, just classic polyurethane that's oil-based. Classic. And if it is anything that is just furniture that I like and want to use that is not going to get weird out-of-the-box wear and tear, simple finish is the move. If it's a coffee table, dining table, a console table, that's all simple finish. Nice. There's the rule of thumb. All right. Next question comes in from Spensley Design Co. Says, what's the most annoying thing a sponsor has ever asked you to do? Have you been asked? Oh, I've got one. Let's hear it. No, I, I have a non-disclosure or something Manscaped. on this. I, I can't. Well, you can, Maybe. What, you don't have to say who a sponsor was for something. You're right. Yeah, I can't believe Manscaped asked you to shave your balls on a live stream. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a ball-heavy episode. Yeah, that definitely didn't happen. No, Uh, that Manscaped integration was funny, though, because there are people that I found that, you know, do and don't trim their downstairs, which is the beauty of personal choice. I don't care. Either way, you've discovered this. I'm (laughs) going to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, from the from the comments on the videos Uh, that I posted. Okay, yeah. So backstory, my last video and kind of couple Instagram posts were sponsored by Manscaped and Manscaped makes well. Clippers for your downstairs. Yeah, it's like, hey, have one for your beard, but don't use it on your balls, too. Yeah. Well. Savages. I found a lot of people do and don't trim their balls, which is great. Like, freedom is great. Hair, Hair, by the way, Mike. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are a certain subset of people that do not, that also feel like no man ever should, which is really funny. Oh, you've got some of those comments? I bet you Yeah, there's plenty of people that are like, hey, not for me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah 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 there's like some people that are like hey you know swing and a miss on me you know that comment you know some over. dudes that are like hey that's not for them but <laughs> yeah i got a lot of people that are like uh like for some reason that's a reason to unsubscribe i it was weird really? i got a lot of comments that are like i need to unsubscribe because do, of do, this it's funny like you're too metro do people think that that's I guess. Like, like grooming it's like anatomy and grooming and they think it's somehow like pg-13 or inappropriate right like what's wrong with these people like oh so you think that well, they were unsubscribing because they thought it was too racy racy <laughs> there's Jinx. no way it was racy did you guys see the video i made yeah it was funny yeah it was funny and it was it was a pun but it could not be more lighthearted and 
beating around the bush. Hey, pun intended. You know what I mean? It was just it was it was a joke. And balls um, is it like a bad balls isn't a curse word, is it? No, and I used like downstairs and privates. I never said anything. I don't even know. I said your balls will thank you. But aside from that, I used the, nice words. These are people that are uncomfortable when their doc, doc when their doctor says testicle. <laughs> I guess so, maybe. Yeah, I was actually going to say, I feel like there's not really that bad of a word for balls. Balls is about as bad as it gets. Yeah, yeah I guess you're right. So it was funny to see that, though. But what about you guys? Has there any bit? Has there been any, what was the question, sponsor predicaments you found yeah, yourselves it was, in? Uh, it was, what's the worst thing that they're, I think the most annoying thing they've ever asked you to do. The, ah, okay, got it. The worst is having me stand at like booths at trade shows. Sounds mm. fun. And I don't know, man. It's so long and it's like, uh, okay. And like having me do live presentations that like three people show up to cause they don't actually promote for it. <laughs> there you go. That, yeah. And like, there you, you still just, you put on a smile, you do your best, you know, it's not your responsibility. You just, you just do it. But it, really get to know these three people. It's just awkward, but yeah. You know, uh, I could imagine. It's like, it's like our version of like stand up comedy in front of like, Yeah. A crowd of like two drunks. I've got one. What? A long time ago, I a long time ago, I partnered with Wrangler to build the modern picnic table. Oh yes, I remember that In table. Modern well. builds. Classic. And I just told them, I'm like, guys, I love your shirts. I like your boots. I like your jackets. But the thing is, you just don't make a cut of jean that's not kind of baggy, classic carpenter dad jeans. If that's your style, that's your style. That's fine. But. <gasps> I just really expressed to them like, hey, I want to partner with you guys. And in a perfect world, you just have jeans that I would wear if you weren't paying me to wear. Should have gotten just super tight Wranglers. Yeah, like some like real cowboy jeans. Like cowboy Wranglers. Yeah, Yeah, I guess maybe I should have. Well, the thing was it was for their workwear line in particular. And so it was just a situation where I really expressed to the brand. I was like, I think it would be best if I could promote them and show them, but ultimately wear whatever jeans I want and I will wear everything else Wrangler. But that wasn't something they were particularly interested in. So long story short, watch that modern picnic table and you will see some baggy jeans. <laughs> I gotta watch <laughs> like, it now. I never wear them, man. I was, <laughs> and, and the worst part is like, I feel like I was doing the brand a little bit of a disservice by being forced to wear those. Because if I could have looked more natural right. in my promotion, they would have, it would have been a more effective ad. I think. Yeah, I, so, I think that's what I would say. I don't have one particular example, but that's kind of like the macro takeaway of it for me is like, if somebody wants Mike to do something, like I get that like you have your certain like key points that he's got to hit or whatever, but like let yeah, Mike yeah, yeah. do it that his way. Like that's the whole point in partnering with him. You're going to get a better thing from him. You're going to get a, a better performance from him because he's happier about it. And it's going to be in a way that his audience is going to know that it's more natural and respond to it better. Chris, did you go to like a local community college and study marketing? Then you don't know what you're the, talking about. The, the not, yeah, no joke. I went to the Cal State and studied marketing. Yeah. And you have... Um, one and a half years of experience. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Look, like three. It's, well, Chris, now you have like three or four. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, the, at the end nice. of the day, like, yeah, there's some awkward things, but it's work. And yeah, yeah. like the idea that you're going to get paid for something that's exactly what you want is naive, foolish, and misguided. And even when that occasionally everything lines up and you get it exactly the way you want and you still get paid for it, that should just be celebrated as the rare exception, but you should be grateful just for the opportunities to like 
get better at something and pay your bills. So like, yeah, I don't think those things are ever that bad for me because like my expectation is like that work parts of work will suck, but the progress of making more options for myself and and bringing in financial resources and then strategizing what I'm going to do with those. That's really fun. Even when the work itself sucks. Right. And this is all such a learning experience too. The Wrangler situation I was describing was unique, especially at the time. I hadn't really come across a moment where I had, what do you call it? You're sort of conflicted, right? It's like, well, obviously Wranglers is such a heritage brand and does make quality things that I'm so happy to be associated with them and represent them. That is incredible. But also in a perfect world, I could wear the jeans that I like most. Right. And, and that's the thing, like world, Wranglers does. It would be Levi's. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's nothing wrong. No, it with is a perfect world. Wranglers, they're just got, not you. Yeah. Well, it's that. It's like, well, Wranglers would have worked, but they wanted me to wear Wranglers rigs, which is mm. their construction work line. And so that was fine. It was a learning experience. And when they came back and were interested in doing another video with me, I had to politely decline, which was kind of a hard thing to do because money on the table is hard to pass up. And that's a very legitimate brand that I'm really happy to partner with and can just use to show any other brand that reaches out to me. Be like, yeah, here's some videos I did with Wrangler. Ever heard of them? You know? Mm -hmm. And I will say this about Wrangler rigs. Their jackets, pretty nice. Yeah. Everything in that line is incredibly high quality. The only complaint that I had was just in the cut of the denim. But... To kind of conclude this story, it was hard passing down Wrangler a second time. When they came back and I said no, I beat myself up over it a little bit because there was a part of me saying, no, just make it work. But then the other half, I don't know, was like, no, Mike, use your creativity or use your, I don't know, creative integrity. Is that a word? Have some standards. Like stand by what you think. Yeah, have some standards. But, but here's the beauty of it, man. Fast forward probably two years at this point, and I'm partnering with Ariat. And Ariat is a brand that I've been familiar with forever. And guess what? They have workwear with a cut of jeans that I would wear any day of the week. I would pull them out of the closet and put them on. They're awesome. They're boots, so high quality and everything else off the chain. Ben, I know you've done some stuff with Ariat in the past as well. They've got high quality stuff, great fit. It's, and it's my go-to hopefully work this jacket, is a part. And I like to work boots. Boom. That's Dude, that's awesome to hear. And so where I'm at now is like, yes, I did pass up on one opportunity. And in the long term, as long as this relationship plays out the way I'm hoping it does and I'm able to represent them well, it all worked out in the end. So I guess that was kind of the one sponsor thing that I got a little hung up on and definitely had some conflicts through, but worked out ultimately for the best. Nice. All right. Next question. Next one. Jeremiah Beetham says, why do all of the videos I make of my work feel boring to me? Do you struggle with that? I do struggle with his videos being boring. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I don't think that's what he meant, Chris. Oh, never mind. <laughs> don't watch my own videos, so... Well, I mean, when you're editing them, you see them, right? Do you ever have that... Fe- I-, I will admit to having that feeling of like, I'll be... Wa- you know, the... I mean, that's part of it is when you're editing a video, you're kind of overexposed to it at times. So it can become kind of monotonous or whatever. No, here's why not. Like if I really care about the project, like if I, if if it's a project that I'm like so excited about showing to the world, then I'm paying so much attention to like 
that video and, and you know sort of amplifying the points that I want to express and get out there and the ideas I want to share. If it's a project like, well, I don't want to name names, but like maybe like a fake rock type project, mm-hmm. I'm just getting it done. I I will not put equal effort towards everything. I I believe that you should spend your money asymmetrically. I think that you should spend your effort and your time asymmetrically. There's some things that you just have to kind of get done, but you don't want to pour over them as if they're like the the Mona Lisa because right. that means when you actually get the Mona Lisa type opportunity, oh, I'm sorry, your time constraint for this is measured out in an even allotment because you just spent an equal amount of time on a project that you didn't actually care about. So, I'm always about trying to like carve out space from the things I don't care about to create more space for the things I do care about. So, yes, there's some projects where I don't care about them as much as others and those I don't get bored of. I just get them done. Yeah. yeah All right. So, what about in a video you, you care about? Where do you fix a problem? If you're in the middle of edit, you're in the middle of shooting or you're just watching it back and you're realizing maybe pacing is off a little bit or it's just lackluster. What do you I'll do? Just, I, I just spend more iterations and more rewatches, right? So, it's like like a video like the fake rock, which by the way is... <laughs> I dude, I don't understand how the internet's so different on different platforms. That video, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it looked like a turd and it ate a fat turd on YouTube. It's in like the millions of views on Facebook. It is like, like I don't know what says about Facebook, but those people like a fake rock that looks like a turtle shell or a turd. Well, I think the thing is, is like, who the heck, aside from a very particular set of people that need a fake rock to cover, I don't know, like a, like a, water like meter. A, a unit, like a water meter or a, something, unless you're searching for it, you will never find it on YouTube. But Facebook is just there to feed you fake content rocks. that will stop you from scrolling. Yeah. So it's ironic that like, it's a compelling process because you're basically paper macheing with concrete. But who the heck is going to find the video on YouTube? It's like a hard to find video. But if you just get to watching it, it's kind of a neat process. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, so like if it's if it's a project I'm really into, like I'll put some time into it. Like the the Container House videos, I put a lot of time into those edits. I I went back into the studio, shot new po- new parts. I made like custom graphics that I don't use in other videos just for individual episodes. That project meant a lot to me. I was really excited about it. I I love doing that work to share those ideas because I know how unusual that project is. So it's yeah, I invest more where I'm more excited. And it, and to me, this is like an important part of longevity in work. It's like not trying to force yourself to be disciplined, but letting the motivation make you work super hard when you're feeling it. And then not putting too much pressure on yourself when you're not, when you don't. And that's what I think ke- keeps me from getting burnt out because I'm not grinding when there isn't motivation. I'm only grinding when I really want to grind. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you're feeling burnt out, it will show through. Like that's true. If I were to respond to the question, the biggest thing that helps me not have boring edits is when I'm editing and I'm conscious of my footage on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So if I am editing while I'm building, I know that I've got four minutes where I haven't taken a time to talk to the camera or introduce something exciting or just take the time to situate the camera so that it's nicer than just putting it to show the thing. You know, I'll just take a, a little bit of time the next day if I know I've got something that needs to happen. 
I'll just get the B-roll so I can have a little segment where I've got a 10, 15 second montage to let the video breathe a little bit. Or I'll know, hey, the stuff I filmed yesterday should have had a little talking head segment where I explained it, but I'll just go ahead and pick it up tomorrow. Editing while I'm producing is uh, super yeah, helpful. Yeah, you've been doing so that a lot more the la- this last year and a half. Yeah, and it's it's made me have 15 to 25 minute edits that actually are able to flow together. Yeah. What about you, Chris? I would say that, um, like that is something that I definitely do think about. Like I do get bored with myself from time to time when I'm editing something and usually part of, so I used to have this quote or something written on my phone, like on the home screen. There was, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was basically to the effect of like, basically you're not like defined by the last creative thing that you did, which is something that I used to feel like I suffered from. Like, so if, if something came out that wasn't the greatest project ever, like I would get down on myself and feel bad about it, but like, they can't all be that. Like you're going to have a handful of projects a year that you're going to be super passionate about and super excited about. You're going to have a handful that are just like, I needed this thing. So I did this thing. You're going to have some that maybe just an opportunity came up and you did it. I still always try to just like make it interesting or like fun for myself in some way so that I'm enjoying it. And like, whether it actually translates to the people who watch it or not, I don't know. I have no way of knowing that. I feel like if I can enjoy myself doing it more that it it probably translates. So I try to like add things into what I'm doing just so it's not like the same thing over and over again. So like, I would say like the latest thing that, Sean and I have been doing a lot is like cold opens in all of our videos. There's some kind of like, you know, 45 second little sketch. Yeah. And like, that's the most fun we have now in the creative (laughs) process. And like, I'm very conscious of like, are we taking this too far? Like if I start getting comments that are like outnumbering everything else is like, Hey, you know, maybe tone it down on the sketches. These aren't funny. I'll be like, okay, maybe I should reconsider this, but like so far they've been fun and they've been very well received. And so whatever, it makes it fun for me. So it, it keeps me excited about doing it and I'll do it. So I'll just kind of like change things up here and there to, to try to stay excited about it. Chris just good yeah, at keeping good a romance with his, with his mm-hmm. own work process. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Ooh. And, what? Oh, really quick. This is the last tip I have. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to be generous out Please. here. If you're making videos and you're finding your edits boring, just cut faster. Don't yeah. linger on your shots for so long. Yeah. I watch a lot of great maker videos on YouTube and I watch a lot of videos on YouTube that I think could get a lot more traffic if it was a little less indulgent. Mm-hmm. I know that the shot that you picked up while you were sanding was cool but it wasn't like 15 seconds cool. Maybe it was seven seconds cool. Or two. And that's not to discredit the shot or to discredit any anybody's kind of work, but don't be too indulgent. I fight that a lot. I know everybody fights that a lot and I'm not perfect, but that's something that I try it's and- It's like sharing photos of your kids. <laughs> yeah. There you of go. Of course, yeah. you think they're cute, but you're going to get more value when you share the photo of them in a really clever Halloween costume that's one of a kind than you are- when you just have average looking kids and you're just like, look at my kids. I love them so much. And everyone's like, yeah, I don't love those kids as much as you love those kids. And they, look, <laughs> they seem great. But good for they you. They look fine. Looks like you did a good job feeding them. Congrats. I'll give you a like. <laughs> yeah, you're right? right. So, it's it's being objective about how the world perceives what you're creating and what, how you perceive it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And build an exciting project, yeah. dude. If like, you know what video is boring? 
I don't know, watching paint dry yeah, or like watching leaves, yeah. like just watch favorites. it. Like it's boring to watch a dude sit on a deck yeah. and drink coffee. Shave your balls. You wouldn't make a vi- like get crazy. Yeah. It's just, wranglers. Dude, you wouldn't make a video out of a boring thing. So don't pick a boring project. Yeah, and if you do, put it on Facebook. They love that shit there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a good point. Just find All right. Uh, Let's do one more question. Let's do one more. This has been fun. Okay. Warkinton.mark. It's not really. It's a name backwards, maybe. What would you think if someone imitated you in a YouTube video? So I don't know if they mean like imitated in terms of like copied your style or if they actually did an imitation like I'm being bad. I hope it's a parody. Right, I hope right, they like do a parody. a parody. Yeah, I mean, that would be hilarious. Like I could, I, I yeah, know I would, exactly. I would enjoy seeing I know it. how exactly I would make a spoof Four Eyes video or a spoof Jimmy DeResta video or a spoof whatever, you know? There's like, everybody has a style. And there's definitely plenty to make for fun the of. Next, for the next challenge, I we, can let's only mix imagine it up how someone would make fun of me. Do a Rochambeau. See, I, of- I actually think my sister Jessie would do the best modern build spoof. It would be hard for her because she would have to put on, like, she would have to bring a hundred. But if she was doing that, as the joke, attitude. like, I feel like her yeah. and Brett could collaborate and do that video. I think so. They would I analyze would it like frame by frame. <laughs> Hey everybody! Yeah, and like knowing knowing Brett's involved, is he would actually mimic my shot yeah. style, and then Jesse would be the the voiceover yeah. and over enthusiastic host, which is the opposite of her. Yeah, uh, it's perfect. Yeah, very funny. Yeah, uh, if it was the if it was the latter version though, where they're just like obviously copying your style, I would just tell them that like if you do that, like maybe that's a good way to learn. But try to eventually find your own style because you're just going to end up being a worse version of me when you can be a better version of whatever you are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's just, it's that. But hey, if somebody made a parody of me. I'd watch it. Uh, I'm going to watch it and share the crap out of it. Right. So that's Please. what I would do. <laughs> Make your four eyes modern builds and get those, keep, tag us. Yeah. All right, guys. So it's that point in the episode again. And instead of current obsessions for the rest of the Rockler Desk Challenge, we're going to be highlighting one project per episode that is each of our favorites. Let's hear what you got. So my favorites are Chris's so far. I'm killing it, man. Am I eligible? Well, one, it's like, I love that you did the sort of high-end woodworking one and then the more DIY-friendly one that still looks as good as high-end woodworking. But Mm -hmm. honestly, like, I haven't checked out the hashtag so much because of you know i haven't had an eyeball in (laughs) a while it's hard Uh, to check out a hashtag when you can't see valid excuse (laughs) so i have been seeing some notifications that we're giving a lot of them in what do you guys you guys got some favorites yeah yeah yeah. i'll go ahead um i'm gonna shout out bart komar Um, he has dude he's a nice dude we've met him part winner of the rockler challenges you're right that guy can bend some plywood I've met Bart. He's an awesome dude. We message from time to time. We stay up to date with each other. And he, I feel bad because he, he was in progress on a desk as we were announcing the challenge. And he messaged me saying like, dude, here's my desk. Sorry, it's a week early, basically. But my thought on it is like, since we've been talking about it for a while and we alluded to it being a desk, he was satisfying a need, which was, hey, I need a desk for, I think it's kid. You know, everyone's at school right now at home. So kind of same problem you had, Chris, s- similar solution. Yeah. Um, but what's cool about it is a while ago, whenever I was doing desks, I built that one on your CNC. Mm-hmm. It was for the Rockler plywood challenge. 
And it was cool because it was like this collapsible desk that was portable. The downside to it is it was not as rigid as I was hoping it would be. It's got a little bit of racking from side to side. I should have used two layers of plywood for the legs instead of just one. But Bart did something similar in function. It's a desk where the legs come off of the body and then store on the underneath side so you can kind of take it wherever you want. The thing that he did was actually make it sturdy. He's got a really cool idea, which is basically creating a desk that is a case. It's probably an eight inch tall case that's got drawers and storage in it. But having those sidewalls allow for the legs to be secured with like a couple of mechanical fasteners and it gives it a strong plane to brace against. So he basically solved the problem that I didn't with that desk that I built. So I got to give him big props on that. And if you're not already following him, do it. It is at Komar Project. Wow, that's not how I say project. That's how Canadians say it. <laughs> that's how Canadians yeah, say, it. Yeah, yeah. says it. What are you talking about? Yeah, my bad there. So uh, it is at Komar Project. K-O-M-A-R-P-R-O-J-E-C-T. Nice. The one that I've been following the most is from writers underscore custom underscore creations. So he hasn't mm. finished it yet. It's been a lot of in progress picks, which I think is one of like the best things about this. Like using, using the hashtag is definitely don't just put finished pictures, like share your progress. This guy's been sharing like since it was, since he was just sketching out ideas and he's had several posts right. where he's sharing it, sh- shorn it, shared it. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's kind of got a shape of like a really long skinny teardrop like our logo for for simple finish but you know but like a sharp elongated version of that where the rounded part at the bottom of our drop would be the back of the desk so it's like sharp at the front and then it goes back and curves up so he's just shared a bunch of pictures so far and you can see it kind of coming together he's got it to the point where like to in order to make the curve he did like a stacked plywood kind of thing where you just yeah. you stack a bunch of layers to create the curve so yeah it's it's looking cool it's it's been you know it's cool to get to like i was saying see it for, go from conception to now being built and eventually we'll we'll see the finished picture so all right shout out that account one more time writers custom creations with r-y-d-e-r-s yeah with underscores in between everything and he's mildly local to me he's a couple cities away exactly and in progress we've got so many projects i think the hashtag's got around 400 posts to it already it's been up for like two weeks so plenty to say the competition is stiff or anything like that because this is like more about just community information sourcing and gathering but it's just awesome because it's just like insane ideas we've got people that are like bending sheet metal we've got people fabricating and welding we've got people doing real woodworking we've got diy projects we've got everything under the sun don't feel like you have to do something or that the bar is anywhere just contribute somebody is going to be into what you make and that's what it's all about yeah and and if you don't need a desk there's somebody out there right now that needs a desk there's definitely yeah Yeah, that's true places you can donate them and Just reach out to your circle. Yeah, I'm sure you know somebody that could use one. So thank you guys. Use the hashtag RocklerDeskChallenge. I'm going to go ahead and promote that. If you're interested in some simple finish, since we talked about that so much this episode, go to MakerBrandCo.com and we'll see you next week. No need for a long outro. We appreciate it and we'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye. Sorry.